Hi, everybody, and welcome to RV Miles, your home for RV and camping news, reviews, travel guides, and more. I'm Jason. And I'm Abby, and this is episode 60 of the RV Miles podcast. Believe it or not, we're like a national park now. We're at episode Yay. 60. We're the National Parks of Podcasts. And if you want to get today's show notes, you can head over to rvmiles.com slash podcasts. You can also keep up with RV Miles over on social media at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Jason and I, along with our three boys, are over at ourwanderingfamily.com. And we are also on Instagram, Pinterest, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. This week on the show, we're recounting our time in Omaha, Nebraska, a really uh, surprising city, a fun city. We had a great time there, and we're really excited to share with you all the things that we got to do there. And I expect a lot now from all cities whose names begin with an O. <laughs> it is right right <laughs> in line kind of with Oklahoma City, uh, I think. Surprisingly, yeah. amazing time was had both in Oklahoma and now in Omaha. And as a Kansas Cityan, I am shocked and disappointed in myself to say that up until now, I had never been to Omaha when it's only 210 miles from where I live. Yeah. It's a good town. It's a great town. Uh, we're going to talk about that. And we're also going to talk about it since it's the fall. And and since uh, I mentioned Chili Gate, Chili a couple weeks ago and how you should be able to have chili year round. And Abby was like, oh, it's only for cold weather. Uh, yeah. We got a, <laughs> a lot of our emails, a lot of like brain teaser answers and stuff were about that. And the fact that I'm right and you're wrong. I am clearly in the minority, but I stick with it. So today. But anyway, it is it is. Uh, there is no denying that it is fall now. Oh, I can deny it. OK, I well, will it, deny it all day where, long. Well, I wore my bean boots today. Yes, it's it's, it's you, cool outside. Look, you wore your bean boots the other day when it was 80 degrees outside. So you were. But it was raining. You are those people. <laughs> You are those people in those memes that you see all around social media that are like dressed for fall, even though it's still summer, sweating, but trying to pretend like, oh, no, it's cool. It's fall because it's September. I, You're that guy. I'll totally admit you, it. I got my flannel shirt on. Today. You are that guy. I <laughs> am very content to keep these shorts and tank tops out as long as humanly possible. Speaking of my bean booth. This episode is sponsored by L.L. Bean. This year, L.L. Bean is joining up with the National Park Foundation, the official nonprofit partner of the National Park Service, to help you find your happy place. In an amazing system of more than 400 national parks, including historic and cultural sites, monuments, preserves, lakeshores and seashores that dot the American landscape, many of which are in your backyard. L.L. Bean is proud to be an official partner of the National Park Foundation, and you can discover your perfect day in a park at findyourpark.com. Another portion of the National Park Service is, of course, the National Trail System. And this is the 50th anniversary uh, this year of the National Trails System Act. Happy and birthday. Also Looking the uh, Wild and Scenic R Rivers Act. And we are along the Lewis and Clark trail right now we've been making our way from kansas city lewis and clark trail of course starts in st louis and you can start there at the gateway arch national park but we've made our way from from kansas city up to omaha 
up to where we are now, which is Lewis and Clark Lake near Yankton, South Dakota. And we're going to be following it a little bit more until we depart and head over to to the Badlands. We're, we're on our way to Badlands National Park this weekend. Yeah. And if you think there's nothing to talk about in Yankton, South Dakota, you just wait till next week's podcast. <laughs> we're going to have plenty to talk about. Surprisingly, again, plenty to talk about. You can find more about the happenings in your area with the 50th anniversary of the National Trail System and the National Wild and Scenic River System at nps.gov <laughs> at a special website that nps.gov <laughs> at a really long website at nps.gov make it easy on yourself just go to the show notes we'll link to it there yeah. nps.gov slash subject slash nps celebrate slash rivers dash trails dash 50th dot htm everybody yeah. got that yeah we're gonna link to that in the show notes <laughs> you want to find it um and the latest National Parks podcast is out. And along those lines, we are following the Lewis and Clark Trail on the National Parks podcast. So this this week's episode is the first of a two part episode following the Lewis and Clark Trail and the journey that Lewis and Clark took. Yeah, And often, as we've started to notice now that we're about six months into the America's National Parks podcast and out on the road, a lot of the episodes end up being influenced by our travels and stories that we may not necessarily be looking for. We end up finding just by the time we spend inside of our parks. This is sort of what happened with Lewis and Clark. Clearly, we all know the story. But as we started spending more time along the trail itself, as our eight-year-old started becoming more and more interested in the core of discovery, and as we went to the visitor center, we just kind of realized this is a very fascinating story and one that we decided we wanted to tell and we wanted to tell while we were a part of the environment that it happened in. I love that about that podcast. I also love that about this podcast, too, that a lot of what we talk about ends up being influenced by where we are yeah. and what is happening as travelers, as RVers. A lot of what we do, uh, where we go on on this show and and the episodes that we do on the National Park podcast also come from you. We get a lot of ideas from our RV Miles Facebook group and our America's National Parks Facebook groups. So if you are not a member of those, please join them because uh, we, we love getting feedback from you and we love getting ideas for future episodes from you and for, for places for us to go. Yeah, we don't just wander into any pizza joint without, <laughs> without no, checking first without from, checking from without group. checking with all of you first <laughs> all right also in the news this week big big news item thor industries which was already if not the largest american manufacturer uh, very close to well now they are uh, now they're actually the world's largest rv manufacturer because they've purchased the erwin heimer group which erwin erwin heimer is a, is a very large European RV manufacturer. They make a lot of class B's and trailers over there. And they've actually just introduced the Heimer brand into the US a couple years ago when they bought Roadtrek. So this is the company that owns Roadtrek and creates the Roadtrek class B's, the Heimer class B's, and then a whole bunch of RVs in Europe. Now owned by Thor Industries. Thor Industries also owns Jayco and Airstream and Heartland. A lot of different brands and they are now massive. They've all they also purchased uh Road Trippers a few months ago. Road Trippers is a website we often use to 
help plan our routes. And they're really becoming quite the big conglomerate of a company. They have their hand in a lot of RV lot pies of right yeah. now. Yeah. A lot of RV Dutch ovens. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, uh, in the news this week, we wanted to talk about this kind of a combination of news and my sort of app gear recommendation. So there has been an issue recently with a lot of travel websites, a lot of travel planning websites where Google Maps, who where where all these sites get their their map data from, like if you go to Campendium and you search for campgrounds, the maps that they're shown on are from Google Maps. Google Maps used to be free up to a certain amount, and then there was a little bit of a charge for some of these companies. Google has drastically increased the pricing for that. So a lot of these sites that we use to find campgrounds and to find our routes are are getting hammered with a big pricing increase. So we've actually seen a couple of the smaller camping review websites starting to shut down. And and the bigger ones like Campendium are still going to be there. But you should know that those bigger sites are they're struggling a little bit because they get a lot of hits a day and Google is charging them per hit. And uh, and they're trying to figure out ways. We talked to one recently that, that was having this issue and and they said they're really just trying to figure out what the next steps are uh, to to help them get through because it is it is become very costly. And it does seem like for some of those, what's going to end up happening is some of those sites are no longer going to become free yeah. to use. Yeah. And if they can't meet their expenses, then they're going to have to meet their expenses with the help of their users. Unfortunately, one website that we have talked about several times, actually, on this podcast that we have found to be incredibly valuable on our travels was Flattest Route. Dot com. Yeah. And so flattestroute.com was a very simple website uh, created by a, a coder, not an RVer, uh, to help you find the flattest route from one place to another. It doesn't really instantly give you the flattest route. It, it shows you what the elevation changes are on the route you've chosen and let you sort of drag around uh, to different routes. And and we've always loved it. We've always used it to just just kind of get an idea uh, even if we know we're going to take that route, regardless, we see the elevation changes. We know, okay, that's going to take us a lot longer to get through because it's up and down and up and down. Uh, or we can find a different route because we we can see that, oh, that's got a 12% grade and we want to avoid that if we can. Uh, so flattestroute.com has been shut down because of the Google Maps increase. But the woman that created it, she made the code for the site free and available for anyone to grab. So we have actually recreated Flattest Route for for you, our listeners, and uh, our RV and Miles visitors, and for us. Because it's so valuable to us. Yeah, so if you are interested in still using that flattestroute.com uh, service, you can now find it over at flattestroute.net, uh, which is our site, and, and we, you know, will eventually get hit by some costs from from Google, but they won't be very, very bad for the the amount of hits that a site like this gets. And we put a little bit of advertising on it to help offset it. So hopefully we can just keep it running forever. And we'll also link to it on, we'll have a permanent link on rvmiles.com. So 
if you just go to the rvmiles.com website and you click flattest route, uh, you'll you'll be able to grab that tool really quickly. And it's super simple. You just you just put in the place you want to you're starting from and the place you want to go and it gives you the the typical Google directions and it shows you the elevation changes. It's just an incredibly simple, easy tool, no frills, uh, but it's it's been very useful for us. It's saved our hides several times where we've had a route we were looking at and then we plugged that in and we saw the elevation change was just for us, astronomical, the amount of fuel it would cost for us to navigate that. And also, you know, Wanderbus just yeah. doesn't like giant elevation shifts. Well, it and it's, really it's, doesn't. it's not just about going up either. You know, it's about sometimes it's about finding a lots of ups. Like I would rather take a long up, a, a long up uphill climb rather than a lot of drastic ups and downs and ups and downs. Absolutely. That can be that can be rough on us. So it can. And so because of the service that was free to use, we were so many times we were able to just tweak even the smallest little tweak. Not only does it save time, it saves money. It saves stress level. Yeah. So it was when we first found out this was gone. I was really bomb. Yeah, me too. So I appreciate that she made that source code available so that it could just continue to live on, even if she's not able to facilitate it. Yeah. So uh, we hope you'll check that out. We hope you'll share it around as well. All right. That is our news for the week. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll have the answer to last week's brain teaser. And we're going to get into a little bit of a discussion on campground chili. We'll be right back. We are back with the answer to last week's brain teaser, which went like this. Voiceless it cries, wingless flutters, toothless bites, mouthless mutters. And this was one for you Tolkien fans out there. If you have read The Hobbit, you got this pretty quickly. The answer was the wind. Which has been blowing like crazy here in yeah. South Dakota. It has been making its presence known yeah they don't have a ton of trees here so it kind of likes to just blow up and we're we're sort of on the the uh well we have a ton of trees around us because the bark do. is certainly following falling on us at night but, but. we're on the <laughs> eastward end of a, a giant lake so it's blowing across that lake luckily there's a, a dam in between us in yes. that lake at least it's good for something and it's uh probably keeping a little bit of that wind back I'm having Lake Michigan, Chicago flashbacks <laughs> of trying to walk down Roosevelt, feeling like you can't walk forward because you're in a wall of wind. Yeah. And it also feels like it's negative oh, man, 30 degrees. Fun. Man, those days of trying to get to school, get to class or get to work and having to deal with getting off at the Roosevelt red line. That was rough. It's like a, oh, it was like you're walking in a wind tunnel. Oh, you my know, goodness. The build, the it didn't matter what time of year it was. The wind right right down the street. And I know. Yeah, it was rough. Ooh. I'm like PTSD over here about it. <laughs> Our winner this week is Elise Arnold from California. Elise will be winning a Not All Who Wander Our Last t-shirt. And you'll have your chance to win one with the new brain teaser at the end of the show. All right, let's talk about some chili. Let's talk about some chili. But before we talk about some chili, 
Let's talk about Boondockers Welcome. This segment is sponsored by Boondockers Welcome. Built by RVers for RVers, Boondockers Welcome offers a unique and inspiring way to travel, connecting you, the RVer, with welcoming local hosts that have overnight RV parking to spare. Boondockers Welcome is built on the spirit that kindness and generosity abound. And I bet they would all like to sit around a pot of chili in one of these places. I just, Jason's going to bring chili the next we're, time well, we do a Boondockers Welcome. I think Welcome we're going to have we're going to be hitting up one soon when we leave South Dakota on our on our way south from South Dakota. Yeah, uh, we're going to have to hit a Boondockers Welcome up somewhere. So we got to look into. Yeah, so just some available. It, whoever does, we're going to be bringing you some chili. We're bringing you chili. And look, you can bring someone chili, too, because for only $30 a year, you can arrange as many stays as you like to pass a night with those who love the RV lifestyle as much as you do. And best of all, Boondockers Welcome is giving RV Miles listeners 10% off the annual guest subscription pass with code RV Miles. That's the annual guest subscription for only $30 a year. Get 10% off with code RV Miles, all one word. Check it out. We'll link to it in the show notes, or you can head straight over to boondockerswelcome.com and get started. Why do we love chili so much? Why is chili such a fall and winter thing? Why it's so great at campgrounds? It's great. It's great in the outdoors. What is so great about chili? I don't know, Jason. This is really a question for you. Well, uh, here's my thing. I think it's because you can make chili your own, right? You make, uh, and that's, I think that's the best part about it is everybody makes it a little bit differently, but it always tastes good. It doesn't matter if it's like Hormel from a can or it's like real Texas chili in the South. It always tastes good. Okay. Maybe okay, Hormel, Hormel from a can Hormel's is gotta stretching be like, it a little bit. Yeah, Hormel's got to be like, uh, you got to, it's got to be on something or like. It's going to be on a hot dog. <laughs> Let's just put it out there. But I could say I could replace Hormel with Steak and Shake's chili. Yeah. Well, I don't understand why I like their chili as much as I do. But if we go to a Steak and Shake, I just want chili. <laughs> I just want chili. It's so. I well, I think it's it just that typical diner chili is always good. It doesn't matter how they make it. If they can make it with all sorts of different ingredients, it doesn't matter. It's always good. Maybe, but this one is chocked full of beans, and I generally don't care for a lot of beans in my chili, which is I'm why great it's with beans. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I if I'm buying Hormel for the hot dog, I'm buying Hormel well, no beans. Here's the thing: the only chili that I'm not crazy about is watery chili. Yeah, it has to have some consistency. It shouldn't be soup. It should be a stew, right? You know, it yes. should it should have it should have heft to it. It should hold itself together. We had a really long discussion about chili last night as we were just hanging out. Kids had just gone to bed. I as I think back on this conversation, it might be one of the most non-work related sort of mundane, normal, just everyday conversations you and I have had in a really long time. I'm still really stuck on this idea that we talked about because one of the things I associate chili with is cornbread. Yeah. You have to have cornbread and cornbread cooked in a cast iron skillet is just insanely good. It is so good. It gets that crisp around yeah. the edges. I want to somehow take that and marry it with the idea like you were talking about with French onion soup. You know, you get French onion soup and you got that big crouton on top with the slice of cheese that goes on top of that. And then it's like put into the broiler. Yeah, right? I want to make chili exactly like that where you've got yes. chili in a little pot. 
you put like a disc of of cornbread on it. Right. And a, a giant slice of cheddar cheese <laughs> and go melt it under a broiler. But here's my thing. We talked about this last night. The cornbread has to be cooked to a consistency that can hold up to the chili. Because what happens with the cornbread is it absorbs all yeah. of that liquid, right? And then it just becomes mush. Yeah. So you have to, I think, in my, as I, I thought this through, if you got one of those little cast iron individual, like um, little individual frying pan ones, you know how they make like the smaller ones yeah. for cobblers and things like that. If you cooked individual cornbread for everyone in those. Yeah, it'd be like crisp, crisp on all its edges. Yeah. Yeah. I okay. mean, I think this conversation's over now, right? Because we literally just <laughs> talked about the best way ever to have chili. I don't know where we go from here, Jason. Right. Well, listen, <laughs> let's talk about making your own chili and whether, first of all, chili is great to either make at the campground, uh, which it does take some work. I mean, you've got to have a lot of stuff. There's a lot of chopping. There's a lot of stuff that goes into it. So if you're one of those people that really likes to sit at the campground and cook, which is, I, I love doing that from time to time. Uh, it's a great thing to make at a campground, especially if you're in an RV. But it's also a great thing to make ahead. Yeah. Chili has a life. It, like, well, it gets, it gets better. better. Yeah. There's something about it that all those flavors keep combining and, and keep mellowing. And it just does get better. Now, a food safety tip, though, is that if you're going to make ahead, you do want to make ahead just the day before you leave. Yeah. It's only going to have a refrigerator shelf life. Of a few days, especially depending on the protein that you use, if you choose to use. You also want to make sure that when you stick it in the fridge, that you put it in the fridge once it has cooled off. Because if yes. you put a big pot of hot chili in your fridge, it's going to high bacteria. It's going to instantly warm up everything else in the fridge, especially an RV propane fridge that sort of takes some time to cool down already. There's there's no. You get no benefit of putting that big hot pot in the fridge. Just let it sit down and cool down on the counter until you can put it in the fridge. If you make it ahead, it's it's a great thing to have. You know, you could have it for lunch every day of your weekend camping trip. I'm, I'm a big fan of when you're planning meals for a camping trip to make one of those meals every day. Very simple. You know, if, if it's breakfast, you might want to have cereal every breakfast. Or if you like making big breakfasts, have a turkey sandwich and chips every lunch. Just something that makes it a little bit easier and quicker. Chili is a great thing for that. If you've pre-made it, you just you just heat up a bowl of chili and that's your lunch or your dinner every day. And, and you great, don't have to worry about it. The great thing too about chili is that it's also really versatile. So if you don't just want to have, I made a big pot of chili, but I just don't want to have a bowl of chili. Well, we've talked about this. You can put it on a hot dog or you can cut hot dogs up and put it into the hot dog. You can make a side of cornbread. You can have, as I like to say, a bowl of Fritos with a drizzle, <laughs> the drizzle of chili <laughs> and some cheese. You can use it as like a spaghetti sauce. I mean, that's Cincinnati chili that's right there. That's Cincinnati chili right there. Yep. That's um, delicious. It, it's, it's, it's very versatile. You can put on nachos, lots of different stuff. So it's really great to even have around just as a little condiment. As you can see, Jace, has a, did you just call it a condiment? Yeah. Chili is a condiment? You can make chili a condiment. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, right, what do you think it enough. is when you put it on a hot dog? Uh, or good delicious. Old, or good old slinger. Oh. oh. There's this diner in Chicago that's gone now that you would you would really only go to at like after 2 a.m. and get this thing called the slinger that was a, a chili-based dish. And 
it's not something that you would. Uh, you don't eat it before midnight. And you well, just, you wouldn't. You I mean, your senses <laughs> you wouldn't let you. <laughs> and the next day you would, you know, be unhappy that you did eat it. But <laughs> anyway, <laughs> let's talk about let's talk about making chili in, in your RV or while camping. First of all, like I said before, chili is all about making it your own. And to me, that doesn't just mean like making it up every time. I think to a lot of people who make chili, like it's their thing. It's about refining your recipe every time. And you're like playing with different ingredients and you're deciding which is working for you and you're rejecting them and adding them. And, and that's what I really love about it is sort of like coming up with your own, your own way to make it. That is what you like. And, and then showing it off to people and being like, Hey, this is my chili. You want to try some? This is how I feel about casseroles. (laughs) It is how you feel. (laughs) Abby. Abby doesn't like to make something unless uh, unless it's all crammed together in a in a nine love, by eleven cheap. I love casseroles. <laughs> nine by eleven pan and put in the oven. I can take anything in your pantry and turn it into a casserole. I promise you that. So here's the deal with chili. To me, so chili is protein and spice. Like that's the basic. The Texas chili is you know it's it's meat and and chilies. You know it's spice, and sometimes there's some additional things. Then chili can turn into all kinds of other stuff depending on what region you're from and what you like that but proteins you have lots of different options you can use beef you can use ground beef you can use different types of beef cuts you can use steak you can use roast but then you can use turkey you can use chicken if you do use turkey and chicken try to use a good amount of dark meat because it's nice to keep the meat moist in there Uh, you can use ground turkey if you're trying to be healthy supplement that ground turkey with some uh with something that's going to help keep it moist maybe some bacon or a little bit of dark meat from the chicken you can use duck you can use game all kinds of different proteins and if you're a vegetarian you can use beans and despite what anyone says beans i think can be great in chili if you don't want them in your chili great if you do fine look it is a very fine balance between beans and beans in the chili (laughs) i like a lot of beans in my chili yes and thankfully over time you have stopped that and (laughs) you don't put as many in there that's because i I usually send you out to buy the beans and you don't buy enough (laughs) no i don't but if you go to texas they'll be like anybody that knows beans about chili knows that chili don't have beans yeah first off don't offend our (laughs) texas listeners second i think they are spot on I'm going to move to Texas and just eat chili in Texas. I also am very particular about the type of beans that go into a chili. I don't I don't particularly care for kidney beans like red kidney beans. Oh, see, I I, I would rather have the great I would rather have more great northern. Yeah. than those really big mushy ugh, Well, oh, I don't like I mean, let's not talk I about that. I think you do need a bean that stands up. Right. You need it to you don't want it to be like hard, like you don't want it to be undercooked, but you need a bean that that stays firm, that doesn't turn into mush. The the best way to solve that is to just not put beans in it. Well, beans are a great way to extend. (laughs) Yeah, they're a great way to turn chili into something that feeds two people into something that feeds eight people. Yeah. I mean, that's another great thing about chili or dishes like chili is that they can be an inexpensive way to feed an incredibly large group of people. It sort of 
the same idea of why everyone loves like Taco Tuesday, for instance. Like you can do a big pot of ground beef, but you can extend it by adding refried beans into the ground beef, into your taco mixture. Then you've extended the life of it, right? And you can feed more people with it without it like breaking the budget. That's another reason why chili, I think, is so popular, especially when you go to big events, tailgate parties or other things you do in the fall with a lot of people. I'm like, my mind is going blank. Campouts. Camp. Oh, sure. You can go camping. So I think that that's why people love chili. All right. So let me give you some of my secrets to the way I like to make chili and you might think these are terrible, but these are these are sort of my secrets to what I think makes a good chili. All right. So first of all, chili powder needs to be fresh and you can use the store bought chili powder. That's totally fine. There are there are some premium versions. There are some cheaper versions, uh, but you can also get some chili peppers dried and fresh, a combination of both or just dried, grind them up and make it your own. But the thing you need to understand is Chili powder and chili powder, like <laughs> spelled chili like the stew or chili like the pepper, are two different things. And chili powder is just ground dried chilies. Chili powder, which is essential, is ground dried chilies plus some other spices that give that sort of typical chili taste. So one will burn your face <laughs> well it depends i mean chili the powder chilies well, are there are all sorts of different chilies and some are some are really hot some are smoky some are sweet they're all different and you can use different blends of them but companies have already done this for you in chili powder and do yourself a favor when you're camping and use chili powder but the thing is chili powder needs to be fresh you can't use chili powder i know who, i know where <laughs> you're going with this we're looking at you, Norma Sue. My mother-in-law. Uh, <laughs> She's going to be really uh, mad if you go here. <laughs> listen, you can't have spices in your rack for 10 years, all right? <laughs> if it's there, it doesn't taste like anything anymore. You throw it away. <laughs> you can't move twice and hold on to your spices. <laughs> anyway. We love, we love you, Mom. We love you. Well, then you end up with like three jars of chili powder because you keep buying it each time and forgetting you have an old one there. And we've done that as well. I think but, we might have two jars of chili powder <laughs> in the pantry. But it needs to be fresh and you need to use a, a, a ton of it. You can't just sprinkle chili powder. into Like if I buy a, a decent jar of chili powder, the little sort of little McCormick little... Yeah. inch tall things those are useless like you would need four of those right so you you buy the taller ones the kind that are i don't know maybe as tall as a soda can or so and and i use probably three quarters of that to taste like you got to use a lot of chili powder as a base right use canned crushed tomatoes normally any other recipe nobody's ever going to recommend you use canned vegetables for anything but for chili Canned crushed tomatoes are essential because the tomatoes mellow in the can and you get less of that acidic flavor, which is nice for some things, but it's not nice for chili. So it, the, the, the tomato really takes its time to sort of mellow out. So I think that's I think that's essential. And I really like them to be crushed because I I'm not a big fan of chunks of tomato anyway. But it sort of just gives you that stew like quality already without having to do much. 
so diced tomatoes don't really work for me. Whole tomatoes don't work really work for me unless I got to go crush them myself. That's, you know, that's the basis. You want to have a decent amount of onion flavor, which chopping up some onions and putting those in isn't always quite enough. So having a lot of uh, onion powder or that, that like flaked dried onions is actually sort of the best for this. Really get a lot of onion flavor in, which I think is really important for for a good chili. I think some of the best chili that we've had as your sort of like recipe has evolved over the years has been when there is an abundance of onion flavor, yeah. not an yeah. overwhelming, but when you can tell that there's onion in the chili. And then you can chop up some onions and put that in there, too. Yeah, I like to have yeah. actual onion in there as well, not just the onion powder. Right. That's pretty much like the base. I, I also add tomato paste in a, a whole a whole small jar of tomato paste to just add a heck of a lot more tomato flavor. And then you can just explore with other spices and figure out what you like. Other you can chop up peppers and put them. You can chop up bell peppers, other chilies. You can explore with the typical chili spices like cumin and oregano. Be careful with the oregano, though, because you don't want it to start to taste like Yeah, I'm not a big sauce. fan of the oregano, but um, I love the cumin. But then you can explore a little bit with things like cinnamon, cloves, cinnamon dark chocolate. You, but you got to be careful with those, too. Just very little amount of cinnamon without anything sweet. So if you have if you're using cinnamon, you don't want anything sweet in it. Otherwise, it's it's going to taste like, you know, a weird dessert, like, yes, <laughs> like all of a sudden you just found yourself on chopped. But a hair of cinnamon, even if you like just throw a cinnamon stick in while you cook it, that that's usually what I do. And, and then pull it out when you're done. It just adds that little bit of cinnamon flavor that just sort of makes it feel all warm and wintry. And then this is where we get to kick into my realm with the chili when we get to start putting on the toppings. I'm a <laughs> toppings individual. Chili. I deserves toppings right? or to be on top of something else. Yeah. I can't just eat the chili by itself. So, I, I can't do it. I have to have either toppings to put on it. Like I talked a little bit earlier about cornbread. I need cornbread. And if I can't have cornbread, I need Fritos. Like I need, <laughs> I need well, Fritos. So here's the thing. The best things to top chili with are dairy like sour cream, cheddar cheese. Oh, sour cream is so good. Um, or starch, such as rice, tortilla chip strips, or noodles like Cincinnati chili, or Fritos, as Abby likes. Yes. You could even put, put it on Doritos or something like that if you're crazy. Meh. Yeah, you could. <laughs> I mean, for me, it would, like, the hierarchy would be, like, cornbread, Fritos, tortilla chips, Doritos. You put vegetables on it, like onions. Uh, some people like fresh onions or chopped uh, chopped up tomatoes or avocado is great on top of chili. Uh, avocado some people is even so put good. fruit on top of chili. Well, I, I'm not friends with those people. <laughs> Just riddle me this. What fruit? Would, well, if a you tomato were... is technically a fruit. Okay, well, but I'm not putting it on top of the chili. It's being crushed inside. But riddle me this. What would you, if you were to put a fruit... Like change my I mind. Would, what, I would not put a fruit. But on what that. would you put though? Would you do like a mango because of its? It's got that bit of a spice yeah, to actually, it. Actually, I would do some sort of like little chopped mango. I wonder if peaches would be good. Mix. Oh, a mango you know? chutney would. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. that might be. That might. I might work. think about that. 
I might uh, think about that. But I, I don't know. I try to avoid sweet in my, my We know you try to avoid fruits as much as possible, Jason, so it's okay. <laughs> no, Be who I you don't. Are. I like fruit. Be who you are, hun. So, okay, let's talk about cooking chili in your RV or at the campsite. A couple different options. First of all, the best thing to cook chili in ever, anytime, ever, wherever you are, is always going to be a Dutch oven. And if someone tries to tell you different, they're lying to you. <laughs> but the but you don't want to cook chili in a non-coated cast iron Dutch oven. No. It's got to be an enamel-coated Dutch oven because this is the one thing about cooking in cast iron you need to be careful of is if you're cooking something like this with a lot of tomato in it or something really acidic, some sort of a lot of fruit really acidic like that, they interact with the metal in the cast iron and it and it really makes an off taste that that sort of it gives you sort of a metallic taste and and it just doesn't work so try to avoid putting your chili in in a cast iron pot and put it instead in one of those super duper expensive enamel work cast iron um, pots or just any sort of stainless steel any sort of regular uh, pot works well for this the best way, the coolest way to do it, if like if you really want to show off, is to get one of those tripod grills. You know those tripod grills? They, they sell them at Walmart. You can get them at any camping store. And it's a giant tripod, and it's got a grill that hangs from chains that you can put over your campfire. Well, you can take the grill portion off of that, and it's got a hook, or you can get a hook, and you can hang a pot from that. And that is an awesome way to cook any sort of super stew. And then you have to stand by your fire for and the next and, 10 yeah, hours. Some people, that's and some people, what some people are doing. What else are you going to do if you're just true. hanging out at your camp? If your camping trip is about hanging out at the campground, this is a great thing to make. Some people's camping trips are about going and exploring and, and that's okay too, but you're probably not going to be making chili for 10 hours. This is true. If we... We don't have one of those tripods. We actually used to have one of We'd those used tripods. To, but we don't thought. have it anymore. And I don't even, I think maybe we used it a few times and we felt like it was just kind of taking up space. I, right? I desperately I know want you one back. really want, yes. I know you really want it back. We could absolutely get it back. No, listen, I would be up for trying a 10 you, hour chili. Nobody uses that grill over the, that is attached to the camping ring. No one unless, should use unless it. Unless you're it's, putting foil on it or yeah, something like that. They are so gross <laughs> all of the time. I don't even, I never even see anybody use like the I've standard never. issue campsite grills that are always out. And nobody uses them. Anyway, so that's one option. Another option is to, of course, cook it over your stove, but then you've got your, your propane stove going all day long. Uh, and really, you need a good amount of time to cook chili. You need like five, six hours minimum. And the longer you, you let it simmer on really, really, really low, the better. So the best alternative that we know of is a crock pot uh, and you can put it in your crock pot and let it uh, stew for all day long and not worry about it. We use our instant pot as our crock pot and you can you can cook chili in the instant pot using the pressure cooker method. But chili really needs that time to mellow out for all the flavors combined to combine and, and a quick chili just doesn't work as well if you need a quick chili you need to just open up a can but the, <laughs> that's really what you need to do but the great thing about doing using the instant pot if you don't have an instant pot or you don't know instant pots are sort of like a seven one they're a combination of a pressure cooker and a crock pot but the great thing that we love about about the instant pot is that 
you can sear you can you can you can saute. saute in them so what you can do is saute the meat in the bottom of it and then you can saute the onions a little bit in the bottom of it and then you can add all your tomatoes and everything on top of that and and then it sort of deglazes off the bottom of the you know the meat stuffs off the bottom of the pan and everything and then you can run it like a crock pot for the whole day mm-hmm. or overnight or whatever. But I don't recommend overnight because you'll never get to sleep smelling the chili in your RV. Like, you You'd know, when you make chili, chili at home, it, it it the smell is great and it fills your house. That's like, you know, it's it's tenfold in an RV. Yeah. <laughs> Everything <laughs> smells like chili for days. And then you get to the point where you're like, I I'm so sick often, of smelling chili. <laughs> often we'll put, we'll actually put the instant pot outside to make something like this. Anyway, we have talked about chili for quite a bit here. <laughs> this is longer than the time we talked about s'mores. And I didn't think we would be able to talk. Didn't we about, do the whole episode on s'mores? We did no, a whole we segment. segment. We did yeah. a whole segment on s'mores. We just did a whole segment on chili. There, I, go. there are a few things out there in this world that the Appersons really like to eat. S'mores and chili one of them all right we're going to take a break and when we come back we are going to recap our experience in a really great hearty midwestern town omaha nebraska we'll be right back All right, we're back and we're here to discuss Omaha, Nebraska. Omaha, Nebraska. Did you ever think we'd be discussing Omaha, Nebraska? No, but I'm really glad that we are. I know. I mean, I'm, I've been to Omaha before. And I, I'll admit that I had not really done anything in Omaha. I was there for work for like a weekend and I was in an arena for the whole weekend. And I, I'll admit that I made fun of it a little bit. <laughs> I forgot that that's where you went. The thing that I've always made fun of Omaha for is that there are all kinds of things in Omaha named Oxarbon. And I always thought that was so hilarious and lazy because Oxarbon is just Nebraska spelled backwards. You have no sense of humor. Now, well, see, now I feel bad because we were <laughs> at it. we were at a museum in in Omaha and I learned that Oxarbon is actually was a group of businessmen uh, in, in the early last century who created a, a sort of a lodge. Like I think it was called the Oxarbon Lodge that was a, a community support organization and they called it Oxarbon. Yeah. And, and yeah, that's Jason. why everything is named that? Oxarbon there now. So don't yes, be so quick to judge. Not, that's, I'm, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Lesson learned. Lesson. <laughs> Thank you, Omaha for teaching Jason something new. So let's start off with saying was talking about where we stayed one of our issues was was finding a place to stay to be honest there aren't a lot of private campgrounds no there in the are area. not there are a couple omaha city campgrounds one of them was closed due to flooding which was interesting because it was closed due to flooding when we first started looking at the area then it opened back up right before we left so we had set our sights on that particular campground And then we did not recheck 
until I think the day before we were going to leave because we were just going to do first come first serve and because that, it's that, that time of and year. That park and has a lot of first come first serve sites. Yeah. And, uh, and but the other so that one was closed. The other Omaha City Park has no first come first serve sites, which we didn't check into. We didn't realize. We just decided we'd go there, and we went there. There's no first come first serve sites. Not only that, but they re, you cannot camp there without making a reservation. 24 hours in advance. So here's the thing in our defense. This is not well publicized on their website. It's not publicized at all on their website. It is not. And we had looked and we saw that there was space and we were going to go. But they have no way for you to pay without you paying in advance. No. And we even called the Parks and Rec of Omaha, spoke to people and asked Hey, look, we're here. We were actually planning to go to this other campground, but it's closed again because of flooding. Can you help us? We're here to spend the next five days in Omaha. No one could do anything. Yeah. And the, the first Nothing. you hear about this is a sign when you arrive at the campground. So and be if careful you miss, about that. Yes. And if you miss that sign, because it's not a huge sign, then you're going to go in there and you're going to get, you know, pick a spot and whatever. When I was talking to a guy at the Parks and Rec, he was saying this was new for them. They had just started it in 2018. And he confessed to me that people are furious yeah. about this policy and that they are re-examining sure they it. Calls. Yeah. yeah. And in fact, we ended up meeting another family at this campground we're about to talk about that had the exact same thing happen to them. They had gone. They had found these city parks. They knew that one was closed from flooding. They assumed First come, first served over at the other one, showed up. There was the sign. They had nowhere to go. So we ended up staying at the Bob Hardy RV Park in Blair, Nebraska. And this is a city park. Uh, It only has about eight sites. They're first come, first serve. $15 a night for electric. Uh, About half of the sites have water, half don't. There's a free dump station. And, you know, it's just a typical city park right in a, in a little town. Oh, it's just I mean, a, really just right a in a neighborhood. Of, yeah, it's a slab of land, like right in yeah. the middle of a neighborhood. Big, loud train going by. Con- and constant, <laughs> too. Not just like once a day, several times a day. There's no one on site caring for it. There's no camp yeah. host or anything like that. You pay by, you know, writing a check and dropping it in the box. I mean, it's been a couple weeks since we were there, and the check in our checking account just cleared. So, you know, it's not one of those places where there's anyone actively on site. The bathrooms are not the greatest. So do not expect, you know, if that's an issue for you, do not expect that you're going to want to use their shower or their bathroom. There is no sewer hookup. But with all of that said, it was still a great jumping off point for us because we knew we were going to be spending very little time actually in the campground but more time experiencing and getting to know Omaha. So rather than giving that just one night and then trying to find somewhere else that maybe had better accommodations, we decided to go ahead and just stay put. And look, it's $15 a night. You know, you get what you pay for. And uh, it it was about a 30 minute drive into Omaha, maybe even a hair more. Maybe a hair more. Um, It had a super old school playground, which was (laughs) swings, merry-go-round. Yeah. And I think that was like it and some sand. So I did a I did a walkthrough video of this campground. If you want to check it out on the RV Miles YouTube page, uh, we don't need to get much more into it. But one, a couple other options. There are some state parks nearby. They're a little bit further out of town, 
But another possibility is across the river, you know, Omaha is right on the river on the border of Nebraska and Iowa and across the river on the Iowa side, there is a Hollywood casino that has a campground uh, that's $40 a night. So it is, it's a decent price, but you are pretty much right downtown Omaha if you, yeah. if you use that. And you're going to have better yeah. facilities, but we were completely comfortable here. It was suiting the needs that we had. It was also nice to have been able to meet just briefly. The boys met a couple little friends. It was another full-time traveling family who I had just spoken about and they were making, they were only there for a night, making their way through to the Badlands. So it's clear that there were a lot of people coming and going in and out of there. And I think that a lot of those people were experiencing some of the same issues we had where we're going to stay at the city park. You get there, then you realize you can't stay at the city park. And then it's a scramble to find out where you're going to go. So thankfully, this was an option. We had only a 30 minute drive to drive into Omaha really wasn't that big of a deal. And we absolutely loved visiting Omaha so, and what they have there for families to do. Let's get into sort of the number one greatest thing about Omaha. Let's just talk about it. The Omaha Zoo. Yes. Is, uh, it's, if not the best zoo we've ever been to, it's, uh, it's, I, the, it's best the best zoo we've been to. I've it's been, the best zoo we've been to. Clearly. I've been to the San Diego Zoo. This is the best zoo I have ever been to. The zoo, the Omaha Zoo, I'm not kidding, is worth making a destination on its own if you had no other reason to go to Omaha, the zoo is worth it. We spent eight and a half hours at this zoo and we did not see everything. We And by see everything, I mean really kind of explore e each section. We walked the whole zoo, so we got to see everything. But there were areas that we clipped by yeah. a little bit faster because we knew coming down on the map were areas we really wanted to explore. It's just... So well done. First of all, the first thing is the areas for kids to play in. They have the best play area out of any play areas we've ever been to. This giant tree house. It's sort of like a, a I don't know, like four story tree house structure with slides, uh, with all sorts of like tunnels and things for the kids to play through and climb on. And then they've got this tube, like this netted tube that goes all through it. And it's actually a, a run for little monkeys, right? Yeah. And, and so the, like they're playing in with you. And then around this area, there's, there's sort of a little river that they can play in with a waterfall. I mean, I don't want to give too much away, but it is just one of those children's zoos that you just you walk into that section and part of me thought, man, I really wish I'd had this when I was a kid. And this is amazing. I know, right? And it's and there's only one entrance. Yeah, that's great. That, too. That, so you can let the kids sort of run wild without worrying that they're going to go too far or get out of it. Yeah, it's really contained. It's really well thought out. Everything's laid out to engage the children's senses and get them interacting with the environment. But it doesn't stop there. I mean, our kids could have spent the whole day just in yeah. that area. But then you go out and each land, each section is just so well put together. It's so well thought out. This zoo is constantly expanding. They are currently building three different extensions to the zoo itself. So it's only going to keep getting bigger and better. 
It is absolutely worth it. We spent, like I said, we spent the whole day there. We packed a lunch. They've got a great area where you can have your lunch. We had ours in the a little plaza area where music was playing and we could just kind of sit under the shade. It was a hot day. Just really one of the best outdoor sort of family focused urban entertainment places I have ever been to. And I feel like we have been to a lot of zoos, a lot of museums. This one was just, it's just top notch. It's top notch. There's a reason why it was voted by TripAdvisor in 2014 as the best zoo in the world, not just in the country, in the world. So eventually we'll have a YouTube video on our experience at Omaha Zoo. That's going to take us a couple of weeks to, to, to get to. Uh, so you can, you can check that out. If you go, uh, just one tip, if you, if you do go to the, the zoo and if you're bringing kids, make sure your kids are wearing swimsuits because not only is there that little water play area as part of that, that park we were talking about, but then there is another water play area at the zoo, which is just I a can't even, super wet splash pad. I can't even that, describe it. It's, it's, just got, it's a lot of fun. Killer whales. Yeah. And it's just incredible. Yeah. So that's the Omaha Zoo. That was kind of like the one thing we were really geared towards. But then we were pleasantly surprised by so many other things. One section of Omaha I would absolutely recommend anyone, families, individuals, couples, groups, check out is the old market section of Omaha during certain times of the year. On Saturdays, they have a farmer's market, which we walked through. And it's worth going to this area without the farmer's without market. Without the farmer, absolutely, without um, the farmer's market. But if you do happen to be there during the time of year when the farmer's market is happening, it is a great place to grab produce you may need for the campground. The prices were incredibly reasonable. There were a lot of specialty shops and bakeries and just, and huge, it's a very large farmer's market. It takes up several blocks of this particular part of town, but also it's mixed inside this neighborhood, which is a lot of local shops, independently owned shops, beautiful, fantastic restaurants. The roads are all brick. They're all They're brick. giant planters. It's, it's really sort of an old world feel. It is. And they had, um, we went into, I think it's called the um, Old Market Candy Shop, or I'm, the name is escaping me, but it was a candy shop that harkens back to candies of the past. And we went in there and the kids picked out taffy and they, you know, they had just a lot of stuff I remember from my childhood. I always get excited, like when I see Now and Laters. I loved Now and Laters when I was growing up. And then next to that, they had a store called O Tannenbaum, which was just, it was a holiday themed, but clearly their focus was on the Christmas season. Oh man, I could have just spent. Ab Abby, <laughs> I love Abby loves Christmas, I and not <laughs> not only does Abby love Christmas, Abby loves Christmas decoration and paraphernalia and and all that. Any Christmas store, we we cannot pass we can't pass it up. I'm excited because this year Thanksgiving is happening on the early side. I think it's November 23rd, so we get like an actual entire month before Christmas Eve. So the decorations get to be up a little oh, bit. <laughs> that's why that's why you're excited that Thanksgiving is early. I love when Thanksgiving happens <laughs> with at least one month before Christmas. So that's there. Um, so also near this area is the uh, the Durham Museum. 
And the Durham Museum is sort of a history museum. A, a lot of it focused on Omaha his, history. It's in their Union Station, their their old train station. And you go in there and you go to the lower level and they have a giant train full of Pullman cars that you can walk through and see sort of the old Pullman. You know, the Pullman cars had the beds that pulled down uh, and sort of this high level of service. How often do you actually get to walk the entire train? Yeah, you get to like go in one end of the train and walk out the other. You could go through several cars and they're interesting rooms like some of the rooms in some of these cars very small. very small tiny you know four by five room that has a toilet in it so you're like sleeping with the toilet I, it's very interesting it's so very like the toilet would be on one side of this very you, small like, little fold compartment the bed down over it yes and then you would sit <laughs> on the other side facing your toilet and then when it was time to go to bed at night you would lay down this you would lay down the bed and the foot part would go over the toilet yeah i don't know how i feel about that <laughs> yeah i you know i mean i guess in some sense if you really want privacy and you just want to have a space all to yourself but i don't know we, but, we had a very interesting conversation anyway, about it but anyway if you we have won't go into it here. if you if, whether you have kids with you or not or not this is a great place to learn about the history of the Omaha Indians, the history of the town itself. There's sort of a a bunch of little play areas where the kids can sort of learn and experience different things. I love when a museum doesn't just put information up about their yeah. history. I love when they create interactive displays or recreate towns or recreate snapshots of, of moments in the evolution of the city. And this museum does that in spades. There is this section where it is they've recreated sort of a 19th century Omaha. And you can go into the bank. There's the saloon. There's the hotel. There's the livery. There's all of these little sections. And it's just it kind of brings it all alive a little bit more. And I really do appreciate when museums do more of that and less of the let's stand here and I'm going to read this to you. Because I think for kids and even for adults, too, we remember more when we can touch, see and hear and and put a lot of our senses into play. Next, we went to the Children's Museum, uh, which is sort of your standard fair children's museum. It's pretty good. They're all pretty good. We had a decent time there. They had a, a you know, the kids supermarket set up, which kids always, always like to play supermarket and be the cashier. Absolutely. And I. <laughs> So this one, and they did say this to me at the Visitors Bureau as well, is that Jack was pretty close to being aged out of this. Yeah. And I would say for sure that that was correct. I, And I think, too, you know, we had gone at a time when a lot of the big kids are now back in school. So it was kind of like Jack and Ethan and Henry and then a slew of preschoolers. So I bet on the weekends it's probably a little bit different. Um, but we ended up not staying Super long. We were there for probably like two, two and a half hours. Yeah, this is a half day museum. Yeah. If you've got little ones, it's fantastic for them. There's a children's hospital. There's a bank. I thought the bank was really cool because it had a little drive up teller. Like you could pretend like you're in a car and you're, you know, making a deposit. And it also had an upstairs area that was a little bit more for the bigger kids. Legos, things. They had like a theater up there. Pretty typical children's museum fair, but really well, nicely laid out and inviting for kids. So absolutely worth your time if you've got a few hours. Next on our journey, I guess we spent about four days in Omaha, right? 
We were there. We arrived on a Friday and Five we days. left on a Wednesday. So yeah, so we crammed a lot of stuff into these we were days. Busy. We normally don't cram this this amount of stuff in in a short amount of time, but we did. Uh, the next thing we did was the botanical garden, and this is weird because it's right and you literally drive through a small neighborhood to get to the botanical garden, but it is a big, expansive space. But it's also right alongside the highway, yeah, as well, a major highway, yeah. And it's a nice botanical garden. There, um, there's sort of a walled garden. There's a rose garden. There's a children's garden. Uh, there's the an, model train garden, though, the, was but that's, beautiful. That's what I was, I was getting to is that the the model train uh, garden is really was sort of the showpiece for me. And for me, what I appreciated was that I love botanical gardens. Any chance we have to go to one, I am thrilled. And Our home botanical garden, the Chicago Botanical Garden, if you wanted to go into that model train garden, it was an additional cost. Yeah. And that was not ever something that we did a lot of partaking in. No, we only did that when they they do a special holiday holiday. indoors. Yeah, and we like get a group on for it or something. But this this is right there and anybody can experience it. The thing, a lot of botanical gardens have these model railroad gardens and what they are is they make little towns and and structures and bridges for the trains to go through but all of that stuff is made out of natural materials there you know you'll have the white house made out of bark and and uh buildings from downtown omaha made out of trees and 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 bark and twigs and it's just really interesting how they structure these and it then it flows in through the actual trees and plants of the botanic garden it was very beautiful. I would say that section and then also the Victorian walled garden yeah. were probably my two favorite parts there. Again, this is a garden that's growing, a botanical garden that's growing. They have several new sections that are going in, including in, I think it was an Asian garden that they were developing. I loved it. It For me, I could have spent the entire day there. You know, our our kids will give us a few hours at a botanical garden and then I get it. You know, it starts to all kind of look the same for them. For me, I could spend hours yeah. and I could spend the whole day just sitting by a brook or walk again, walking into that Victorian walled garden and just sitting there and just enjoying the beauty of it. So there's another outdoor space that we didn't get the time to access, but we've heard it's a great place to go to, especially for families called the Fontenelle Forest. And everybody at the Botanic Garden recommended that we also go over there. And we yeah. never got the time to do it. But if if you do, you should check it out. There's plenty of hiking trails there. I've heard that the the children's section of the forest is just yeah. gorgeous. It's something that I look forward to returning to Omaha and experiencing. We just ran out of time. The final sort of destination thing that we did in Omaha was right downtown on the river is actually the headquarters of the uh, Midwest section of, of the National Park Service. Yeah, and you know us. If there's going to be, <laughs> if there's going to be a national park sign somewhere, we're going to find it. And, and Jason spotted it, it from the highway, building, and yeah. he's like, "What is that over there?" Because it was a big building with the National Park Service <laughs> yeah. logo on it. Now you can't. Really, there's nothing to really access as part of the 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 Midwest offices of the National Park Service. But in this building on the main floor is the visitor center and the headquarters for the Lewis and Clark National Historic Trail. So we went into the visitor center. We did the Junior Ranger program. There are some Lewis and Clark artifacts in there and all kinds of information about the journey they took and stuff that sort of 
gave us information about our journey. Um, so that was interesting. And also in there, they have a park film, which is probably the best park film we've ever seen oh, because hands it's, down. because it was a Ken Burns park. Film. It was Mr. Burns. Like it was a 25 <laughs> minute Mr. Burns video. So, and so it had a slew of fantastic actors doing voices it so was there, so well put together. There's actually a four hour Lewis and Clark documentary, which we've been watching. Actually, the camp host here at this campground loaned it to she us. She did. She just brought it and over. And getting through it. So the, the, the film at this visitor center is taken from that. And, and it's very good. Uh, and also, there is a nice little garden area outside here. There's a, a some statues. You're on the riverfront. can experience the riverfront. And then there's this big pedestrian bridge that crosses the river here called Bob, Bob the bridge. And it's named after a guy whose name was Bob something, but anyway, they call it Bob bridge and you, you can walk across it over to the council bluff side on, on Iowa and then back. And, and it's really cool, modern new bridge and you can experience the river that way. And, and we really enjoyed walking across it. Yeah. I would love to have been able to come back and actually have, gone for a run it's like 0.9 yeah. one way 0.9 the other i will say about the visitor center that we didn't touch on yet is that the kids did do a junior ranger program there they do have one available it was an excellent junior ranger program and i have to say i i really credit that junior ranger program with kind of sparking ethan's really intense love right now for Lewis and Clark and, and exploring in general, like and, he's playing yeah. explorer. He is. He's creating his own core of discovery, not only outside of the playground that we're at here, but when he's building in Minecraft or when he's playing Lego world, or even in his drawings, he's taking his stuffed animals and turning them into, he's outfitting them in what Lewis and Clark would have worn as they were traveling through the West. Yeah. It is, I mean, I can't get enough of it. It is melting my heart. All right. We normally like to wrap up these little travel segments with a pizza recommendation. We, yeah. <laughs> uh, however, we, we, for, we, we skipped pizza in Omaha in order to focus on this restaurant that we saw called the Spaghetti Works. And it's in the old market section. And, and as a matter of fact, I think they served pizza as well, but we didn't have pizza we didn't there have because pizza. we went pasta. It was a spaghetti restaurant we called Spaghetti in, Works. Yeah, I we stayed in the theme though. You have spaghetti there. We stayed in the it's, world it's, of Italian. It was closed. So this is a, a cool place that is known for their spaghetti sauce and they have lots of spaghetti sauces, like 12, right? Something like 11, 12. I cannot remember. I wish I had counted well, how many. I ate them all because <laughs> I, I got I got this meal called, what was it called? I think it was, I just think it was well, called the everything. The, yeah, here's the thing. You can you can order different types of pasta and there are different types of sauces. And you can get bottomless pasta and they give you, you when you order your next bowl. Pick a different sauce, pick a different yeah. noodle. Or if you want to forego doing something like that that's <laughs> bottomless, you can just say, I'm going to get this giant everything platter. And then it's going, so they're going to what, come out and bring you with uh, the pasta, a very generous helping of each one of the sauces that they have, and they're not going to separate them. Yeah, so I thought <laughs> so. what I was ordering was a plate of spaghetti <laughs> or a bowl of spaghetti with like dishes of, you know, little little cups of all their different sauces. And what I actually was ordering was a giant 
platter of spaghetti with all of their sauces poured on top of it. I am it. so mad all, that we every didn't take one a picture. Of them. Why didn't uh, we take a I, picture? No, I took a picture. I got a picture. Oh, do you have a yeah. picture? So I'll, I'll, put, I'll throw that up in the show notes. <laughs> okay. Uh, so you could sort of take a bite here and there and taste all the different sauces. It was a little difficult to do that because after about, you know, two minutes of eating, they all sort of started to blend together. Speak for yourself, sir. But I had zero it was really issue good. helping you I mean, So they have, they have their traditional tomato sauce. They have their spicy sauce. They have chili. Uh, <laughs> they have uh, a clam sauce, a white clam and a red clam sauce. They had a uh, a really great pesto the pesto cream uh, was pesto so cream sauce. good. Uh, 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 their naked sauce, which was olive oil, olive oil and then and, like some and, garlic. And, garlic and, and that was that was really good as well. But what's amazing about this, too, is so you've already got this giant platter of pasta, but it also comes with their salad bar. Yeah. So we <laughs> man, we we totally ate and ate yeah. and ate at this place, like to the point where I thought I was going to have to be rolled out of the restaurant. If it were, if I had it to do again, what I would, I would not get what I got. If I had it to do again, I would just get a bottomless pasta bowl and try out maybe three different ones that I wanted, which comes with the salad bar. Right. That's still a ton of food. It's still so much bloody, food. Which is what you got. Yeah. Which yeah. is what I ended up doing. But, um, but I ended up eating pretty much eating yours and then just taking yeah. mine home. But the kids. So another great tip is that on Mondays. Kids eat free. Doesn't matter how many kids are in your party. A lot of times it'll be one free Gosh, child. We love so, kids eat free. Thank restaurants. you, restaurants. Thank you, restaurants. Thank you. You know, I mean, it really, really helps the it budget. It costs us the same amount of money to eat at a kids eat free restaurant as it does to eat at a fast food restaurant. Absolutely. Sometimes we even save money. Sometimes it's cheaper to go to a restaurant where they have a kids eat free night than it would be to go to McDonald's. And it, this is one of those cases where. We really appreciated the fact that we could go, we could have this experience. The kids all indulged in the fettuccine Alfredo. They loved it. They had a really eclectic kids menu. So if you don't have a pasta eating child, there were other things on there. I think there was like burgers, pizza, chicken strips, you know, the normal kid fare, right? So we absolutely recommend this place. It's great for lunches or dinner. It's right in the old market. So you can continue to walk around. There's coffee shops down there. And if you have more adventurous eaters. I don't have the name of it, but I'm going to say it again. There's an Indian restaurant there in the old market that we walked past and every single plate I saw. Yeah, people were eating outside on the patio. Oh my goodness. And, the uh, naan bread just looked phenomenal. It looked really good. The hummus, the falafel. Go eat there for me, please, and tell me if it's as good as it looks because had they had a kid's menu that our kids would have been able to partake in, we absolutely would have gone there and had dinner. Okay, that's our experience in Omaha. We really hope you check it out because especially if you're nearby or just passing through, you know, it's right on Interstate 80 if you're you're heading that direction. It's a great stepping stone into South Dakota if you're heading yeah. towards the Badlands and Rushmore, if you're coming from the more Midwest and even from the East. Let's wrap this up with a brain teaser. Let's wrap this up. Go for it, Jay. There are five bags of gold that all look identical and each has 10 gold pieces in it but one of the bags has fake gold in it. The real gold, fake gold, and all five bags are all exactly identical in every way, except the pieces of fake gold weigh 1.1 grams and the real gold pieces weigh one gram. You have a perfectly accurate digital gram scale and can only use it once. 
how do you determine which bag has the fake gold? And you can only use the scale one time. You got to figure out a way to determine which one has the fake gold, and which one has the real gold. You can open up the gold. You can look at them. You can pull individual pieces out. How do you figure out which one has the fake gold? We'll have the answer to that and a new brain teaser and a whole lot more on next week's episode of the RV Miles podcast. We sure will. And as always, if you are enjoying the podcast, you know we would so appreciate a five-star review over on Apple Podcast. And we would appreciate even more if you would just share us around your social media circles or around your next campfire while you're cooking your chili. But until next week, we wish you all the very best. Have a fantastic rest of your day and keep logging those RV miles. Bye, everybody. 